Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Dolphins face off against the Washington Redskins this coming weekend. 0-5 against 0-5 at Hard Rock Stadium, noon central, 1 Eastern. The Redskins, believe it or not, are favored in this game by three and a half points. Well, some people can believe it. I was a little bit surprised still. But, Paul, when I look at this roster, both rosters, and I look at this game, when you take a look at what happened in Washington this past week, it seems like the Dolphins are the normal team heading into this weekend. Completely is. Jay Gruden gets fired on Monday. I mean, after joking around in his postgame press conference last week about like, well, he'd still be the coach if his keys worked when he came into work on Monday. And newsflash, they didn't. Um, So Bill Callahan takes over and in surprising fashion gets up on the podium, says he's he's not going to start Dwayne Haskins. Um, Basically says that the Redskins ran the least of any team he's ever been around and yet they were running the ball at an alarming rate, just ineffectively for the most part, and promotes Kevin O'Connell not just to his offensive coordinator, but also the one calling the plays, someone who is a hot young assistant, but has never really called plays in the past. And this is after the Redskins have been a team that makes probably even worse halftime adjustments than Miami. Miami's been getting blown out despite being competitive in the first halves against some pretty good teams overall. And the Redskins, while they've played some good teams, have also played some bad ones. And, and while they may have put up more touchdowns than the Dolphins this season, they've made terrible halftime adjustments and gotten blown out in the second half as well. Miami's got a bye week to prepare for these guys. The coaching staff's trying to win. And really, this seems a, a, a damn mess. And, you know, Kevin O'Connell calling plays, someone who's never called plays before, it's not as easy as some people think it is. It's not just pausing Madden and, and, you know, flipping through your playbook. It's something where you have a true time crunch. So 
mm-hmm. the fact that they're not dedicated to Haskins, it, it could be interesting in this one. They're doing the one thing a quarterback with a rookie quarterback I completely disagree with. I am fine with sitting a rookie quarterback on the bench. I'm fine with playing him immediately. I'm fine putting him in in game three like Baker Mayfield was put in last year for the Browns. But what I can't stand is when you sit him at the beginning of the year, then you throw him in in the middle of the game. He has a three-interception performance against the Giants a couple weeks ago. Then you take him back out, you switch coaches, you switch coordinators, and now you don't even give him a chance to redeem himself. I'm sure he will at some point this year at least get that opportunity, but it looks like they're starting to to ruin this guy before he even gets his feet on the ground. Not not a good way to handle the quarterback position. Case Keenum is going to start in this game, Paul. A lot of people don't know this. Case Keenum has more passing yards in college football history than anybody in the history of college football by about 2,000 yards. And he's been productive in the NFL. And actually, the first couple of games, Case Keenum did pretty well. And the Redskins were moving the football, but they did not end up winning those games. And looking at their running game, I think the Dolphins have an opportunity to make the Redskins pretty one-dimensional right up front. Because like you said, Adrian Peterson, just a shell of his former self. I mean, who I mean, he's he's almost as old as Frank Gore at this point. 40 carries for 108 yards, 2.7 yards for carry on this year. The Dolphins looked much, much better in the last game against the Chargers, against the run. Austin Eckler just 18 carries for 60 yards. And lately, Paul, it seems like on defense, the Dolphins' strength is at their run defense with Raekwon McMillan and Davin Gottschaw having very good seasons so far. It completely is, and and not only the fact that the Redskins' rushing attack has been anemic and ineffective despite their dedication to it. You know, you've got Case Keenum, who I believe had roughly 68.5% passing or completion percentage. You're getting him back, and then you're rededicating yourself to the running game instead. And you, you need a running back to do that, and, you know, basic, basically Peterson and the rest of that stable combined to make a mediocrely ineffective running back. So it's just a recipe for disaster. As as you pointed out before, this is a franchise that while not everyone agrees with what Miami's doing, at least they have a clear cut, concise plan. The Redskins are running around like the robot from the old lost in space, swinging their their arms about screaming danger, Will Robinson. And God, it's just, disgusting to watch you know Trent Williams doesn't want to play for them their lines a mess their backfields a mess and they have no hope in sight in the foreseeable future yeah they don't and if you don't believe us take a look at our interview with with our Redskins guest Ken from First Amendment Sports I mean he was talking about Trent Williams is the best player in the Washington Redskins and he does flat out doesn't want to play for him he could but he doesn't want to because it goes back to a medical problem where he feels that the team lied to him. And Trent Williams, if you look at him historically, is not a guy that just throws his hands up and causes fits. So we'll see about that. But, yeah, one of these teams needs to get back on track. Um, another interesting matchup, too, is going to be uh, out in the boundary with Terry McLaurin against Xavier Howard. Howard had a much better game than he did against Dallas. How could he not? Um, but this kid, Terry McLaurin, might end up on a bad Redskins team being offensive player of the year. And their second option in the passing game, 
underneath is going to be Chris Thompson. 25 catches for 268 yards, a real good dump-off option that can make people miss there after the catch. So I expect Jerome Baker to be tested after this game or during this game. And he needs to be too, because Jerome Baker is not off to a very good start this year and ruffled a few feathers this past week by saying, you're not a real fan. If you are rooting for this tank, I'm sure I don't have the exact verbiage on that, but yeah, I mean, defensively Jerome Baker needs a big game for a couple of reasons. He does, but you know what? I want to address this whole you're not a real fan if if you're rooting for the team to lose. I'm not pissed at him for it. You know, it, it's – yeah, he does need a good game. But, you know, I don't blame him because they are out there trying to win. It's He may not be as effective as we expected to see from him this season. But, again, if I, if I were on a team and, you know, this is somebody that, that – played growing up and coaches youth football now and I found out one of our parents was rooting for us to lose for so that we got a different matchup in the playoffs or anything along those lines I'd be pissed too you know it's it's I don't care who I face I don't care and and I understand this for Jerome Baker too you want to win and you want the people rooting for you to cheer for you to win. And and it doesn't feel like they're rooting for you or your team. If they're rooting for you to lose, even if they're looking at the long-term picture with that, you've, I totally understand where he's coming from. It's he wants his, he wants the fans to want them to win. He wants to win. Yeah. Let's, let's lay off him on that respect and just get on his ass about what he's doing on the field, because let's face it right now, he's helping the dolphins tank. That's true. And yeah, I, I don't have really have a problem with what Baker said. I mean, the truth is, I don't proactively root for the Dolphins to lose. But I have accepted the reality a long time ago that they're not going to be very good this year. And that's the direction they're headed. And I'm not clapping my hands when they're getting their ass kicked. But afterward, I feel that I can evaluate and say what I damn well please. And the reality is, I don't really care that much if they go 1-15 or three and 13 other than one and 15 might get them the number one pick in the draft. Sorry, that matters to me. And I'd be willing to kneel out 11 more games based on that. Some people feel differently. I'm sorry. I've accepted that reality that the dolphins weren't going to be good this year anyway, but I still like Jerome Baker. He's entitled to his opinion and it comes from a place of passion. I do like that as well. So looking at the rest of the team here, the Dolphins on offense, this could be a very good game here for Josh Rosen. When you, when you look at the Redskins' pass defense, on the year to opposing quarterbacks, the Redskins are allowing 74.7% of passes to get completed and allowing 110 quarterback rating. Now, the big difference in this, I think Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan, they're two very talented players, but haven't put up big sack numbers yet or ripe for a breakout game here against the Dolphins offensive line. And it seems to be a constant theme every week here. It is. I mean, and that's what comes from starting a rookie guard at left tackle. That's what comes from starting whoever they sign this week at right tackle, which automatically gives you a depleted set of bookends. And, you know, you look at the middle of the line, there are a lot of serviceable pieces on this line. There are the core elements to build a line for the future already on this line. But there are some weak spots, and if you've got one or two weak spots in an offensive line, the whole line is weak. 
and that's where Miami's at right now. So, yes, the opportunity is there. Miami needs to get to that quick strike offense. We need to get Albert Wilson back. We need to start pumping the underneath and getting the run game going to alleviate some of that pressure on a line that has some weak spots. So if Miami can do that in this one, it could be a very electric game for Josh Rosen. He's shown a lot of ability, and he's shown some improvement already in just a couple of weeks. Miami's committed to him as the starter for the rest of this season. So we're going to get the opportunity without the pressure of, of Fitzpatrick breathing down his neck. So, yeah, this is a good opportunity to see a relaxed Josh Rosen out there leading this team. And I'm just looking for improvement from him. I mean, the path of least resistance for this guy, and I know not everybody agrees, is to be successful and put Miami in that predicament where if Miami does have the number one or or number two or number three overall pick, maybe that's not one looking at a quarterback if Josh Rosen can show enough improvement, especially with this depleted offense. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, to me, I look at this season as a win-win now because I do accept the reality that I don't think the Dolphins are going to win more than a few games. But if they do, it's because Josh Rosen – took this roster kicking and screaming two, three, four, five wins, and now two is not going to be the franchise quarterback of the team because you've won too many games. I view that as a good thing if that were to happen. But also, if he doesn't, having the number one pick and drafting a quarterback, maybe it's Tua, that could give you an opportunity to have two quarterbacks that are young to look forward to. But the way I look at this game now is, and the way I've looked at the last couple of games is Josh Rosen has played very well the last two games in the first half against the Cowboys and against the, against the Chargers. Not great, but very good. And then in the, in the third quarter, what tends to happen is then the opposing quarterback for the other team. I mean, we faced good ones, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Dak Prescott, all very good quarterbacks who had no pass rush on them. And at a certain point, completing 80% of passes for these quarterbacks, eventually they get up two scores, and then the opposing defense tees off on Josh Rosen. That may not happen this game. If the Dolphins can start out in the first half like they did the last couple of weeks then and get the running game going, block downhill, take some pressure off the offensive line, and – have have a you know win be winning this game heading into halftime, then the Redskins may not have the firepower to just snap their fingers and turn it around and make it a two score game. No, and the Redskins aren't a team that that's making halftime adjustments as far this season. So really, they're not a team that's going to just come out and completely adjust in the second half, barring some miracle which Bill Callahan has not shown in his history. Kevin O'Connell has no history. So we're not seeing a team that, that screams, we make halftime adjustments. I mean, the biggest thing for Miami in this game, in all honesty, is Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, Mike Gesicki. Everybody needs to get over the damn dropsies. Miami's a few dropsies away from not becoming one-dimensional, keeping themselves in games. And that's been Miami's biggest Achilles heel thus far, is the fact that they've had dropsies or, you know, what's his face, ducking below passes, uh, you know, like, I mean, the balls have been there to keep Miami in games, to keep them from getting one dimensional, from keeping the defenses from being able to pin their ears back. If Miami can get over the drop season, this one, it could be a fun game. Yeah. What's his name is exactly right. That's what I think of Kalen Blige right now. And I, I like yeah. that Mark Walton 
I hope he gets a lot more action in this game. I hope he is that second running back, and I think he will be based on everything that I've heard. So another thing that, that Ken Marangolo said in the interview, and, and be sure to listen to that, listeners as well, is a great interview with him about the Redskins roster, is that opposing receivers are getting yards out there on Josh Norman, a former Pro Bowl quarterback, quote, at will. And we only reference PFF on this show if it really, really sticks out. Josh Norman's ranking there is right around 45. So, yeah, 30-year-old cornerback losing a step. This is a game that Preston Williams could have a huge confidence booster if he gets matched one-on-one against him because it is a former Pro Bowl cornerback. And if he can make some big catches and the Dolphins come out with a win, the arrow's really pointing up for Preston at that point. It is, and, and Josh Rosen's or Jesus, Josh Norman's best best friend and best defense in this game may be Preston Williams' hands. It's it, yep. it's sad to say, based on on the ability we've seen from him at times, but Nor Norman can't cover a paper bag right now. I hope Devontae Parker ends up matched up on him from what we've seen from him thus far. I never thought I'd be saying those words, and I hope Jakeem Grant gets matched up on a little bit and can get some confidence built there because. Jakeem Grant is a guy that is absolutely electric if he can get himself rolling this season, which we haven't seen thus far. And Jakeem Grant can do some special things and make some people look stupid when he when he is up to par. Yeah, he needs a big breakout game. And also, Albert Wilson, as of right now, is, is supposed to play in this game. That'll be big. He should be matched up in the slot a lot with Fabian Moreau. On the outside, we should see Quentin Dunbar, who's been a really big piece of the Redskins puzzle in the second so far, their best defensive back so far this so far this year, and also in the middle of the field, six two, two hundred and twenty pound Monte Nicholas, they've got back this year. Man, for a big guy that he can run a lot. He's not a, an athlete that you see from a week to week basis. And also in terms of athleticism, a former or um, the Redskins' other first round pick, Montez Sweat, is a player that Dolphins fans, a lot of them, wanted the Dolphins to take there at thirteen instead of Christian Wilkins. So a couple of other side notes there but Paul also let's look at the rest of the the teams picking really in the top eight that we can take a look at the Bengals right now if the season ended today they would have the number one pick they play at Baltimore who's three and two pretty heavy underdog there the Redskins would pick second the Dolphins would pick third those damn Jets 0-4 they would pick fourth and they play against Dallas who are three and two. It looks like more of a bounce back game for Dallas. Uh, the Dolphins would then pick fifth again because the Pittsburgh Steelers are one and four. And Mason Rudolph not expected to play in this game. Delvin Hodges should start against the Chargers on Sunday night football. We're probably going to be recording our show on Sunday night when that game is going on because the truth is, if the Steelers lose that game, they're probably going to or they're going to stay picking at least fifth. They lose to the Chargers. They go to one and six. And then they've got the Dolphins. And one of those teams has to win. But it's looking more and more likely, unless something really turns around, that the Dolphins may have two picks in the top five. And two picks in the top ten almost look like a lock at this point. You know, just the scenario that I keep looking at as I'm I'm looking at these picks, and, and this is a if Miami doesn't get the number one overall, which Miami's got some tests. To, to get the number one pick. They've still got two games against the Jets com- coming up later this year. Um, you know, the, how cool 
would it be for Miami to have back-to-back picks in the top five? You can do some devastating things that absolutely change the draft board if Miami, say, was picking third and the Steelers fourth instead of fifth. I mean, or Miami was picking fourth and fifth. I mean, you could do some absolutely disgusting things to teams and really just shake up the entirety of the first round of the draft with back-to-back picks. Yeah, and say the Dolphins pick exactly where they are today, third and fifth, and the Bengals pick first. And Because I think in that scenario, if Tua's stock is where it is now, I don't think anybody's going to be able to trade up for that because I think he would be that pick. And that's fine because I don't want the Dolphins saying, hey, we're going to give you four first-rounders to move up two spots. I'd rather at that point for them to build a well-rounded team. And they could just pluck Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda off of Ohio State's team, plugging, plug, plug them at cornerback and pass rusher. And, man, oh, man, now, now you've got a defense that has really solved two major and very important to find holes. You do. And, and like, I've, I've been playing like crazy with, with mock drafts and, and things like that already at this point, which is crazy to me, you know, here at the beginning of October. But you look at – and actually, before I even get to that, one thing I do want to say, and it's going to be a little bit of a soapbox moment real quick, Kat, and I apologize. The whole tank for Tua thing, and I like Tua. Don't get me wrong. Go ahead and at me if you need to, listeners. But the whole tank for Tua thing is a gigantic assumption. We don't know that the Dolphins are even – high on Tua is somebody that fits in what they want to do. We don't know that the Dolphins aren't higher on Fromm or Love or Rosen even or Burrow or, you know, a a number of other quarterbacks out there. They might be ridiculously high on somebody that's projected to go in the fifth round at quarterback for reasons unknown, which is not unheard of. And they may do exactly what you said and build that well-rounded team with the draft capital that they have that lets a quarterback be successful. So we don't know. The tank for Tua thing is an assumption. It's, it's gotten a huge snowball effect at this point. But in reality, tank for Tua is an assumption. We don't even know if Greer and McKenzie or, and, and Flores are like, yeah, we love this guy. We got to go get him. We, we don't know that. Nobody knows that. You know who knows that? Greer, McKenzie, and Flores. Maybe Steve Ross, but I wouldn't tell him shit at this point if I were them. No, me either. A couple of things there is. Number one, I think that it's quite possible that, and likely, if they're good at their jobs, that they don't know yet themselves. I mean, the evaluation Mm -hmm. still has to play out. I mean, uh, like I've said with – and it's why we haven't done a draft show, because I I don't want to – stand up and say Joe Burrow is a great quarterback or two is a great quarterback when they've got three or four of the most important games of their college career still to play here. You know, if Tua, for as much as I've said about him and I would take him number one, and I, I think absolutely a hundred percent at this point, they would take Tua number one if, if they had that pick. But if the dolphins win three games and these teams ahead of them do not, and they pick fourth Tua's or whoever, whatever quarterback is not going to be a Miami Dolphin, and then you have to go really to plan B. So the process still has to play out there. And the second part, and I'll I'll repeat over and over again, 
the whole tank for Tua, the whole tank in general is a media and a fan thing. Because at the beginning of the year, the Dolphins did nothing different than what they did in 2012. They stayed out of free agency. They got out of a lot of big contracts. And they were trying to reset the engine a little bit. The only difference was they got blown away for Laramie Tunzel. They took it. And then Minka Fitzpatrick, for lack of a better word, quit on this football team. And the Dolphins may end up with a top five pick in response. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of things. But the good news is the Dolphins are going to come out of this with a lot of money and a lot of draft picks. And they're going to be able to put together a lot of players here in a very short period of time over a two- to three-year window. Completely. And I, I love the fact, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head, if they're doing their jobs, they're not locked in on anybody. They're still evaluating. And they set themselves up with the capital to be able to build one hell of a team, whether that's Tua, whether that's whoever. They set themselves up to basically not be so successful this season, but I don't think they directly set themselves up to intentionally go 0-16. Basically, they set their roster wherever it fell and said, well, we're going to try to win some games with whatever we've got once we get ourselves set up for 2020. And, you know, if, if that puts them at number one overall and they're in love with Tua, great. If it puts them at number one overall and they're in love with Chase Young, great. If it gives them two top ten picks like it looks like it's going to, awesome, even better. They've set themselves up with the resources to be able to do whatever they want at that point in time, which is a point in time we're not at, at yet. No, we're certainly not. Where we are is heading into Sunday with the Washington Redskins traveling to Hard Rock Stadium to play the Miami Dolphins. Paul, what's your prediction on this game? I think, and this is one of the rare opportunities for this year, you're going to hear me say this, I think with Albert Wilson coming back, I think the fact that they're starting to use Kenyon Drake a little bit more, and I think the devastating mess that Washington is, I think Miami has a chance to pull this one out. I'm going to go 20-14 to Miami. I'm going to go 24-21 Redskins, with the reason being that sometimes when you fire your head coach, like they did, they did with Jay Gruden, you get Case Keenum back in there who really earned the starting job. And, you know, really for the first three games, he, people were starting to talk about him a little bit. He has a way of surprising. But sometimes that placebo effect, like we saw a few years ago when Joe Philbin was fired and Dan Campbell came in and they destroyed the Titans and the Texans in the first two games. I, I think they're going to have a little bit of a resurgence here. And also in terms of matchups, they still do have a very talented front seven. And now Jonathan Allen's back, and he's healthy for them. You know, he missed the first couple of games of the year. Uh, Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan off the edge. Only three combined sacks this year, but very talented, too. And they've obviously got a, a mismatch for whoever lines up at tackle for the Dolphins. So I think they end up pulling this one up out 24-21. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Redskins matchup this weekend at Hard Rock Stadium. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us out. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.